thing we'd done was wrong. Staying in the wilderness too long. Keep your eyes on the prize. Hold on. The only thing we'd done was right. Was the day we started to fight. Keep your eyes on the prize. You are listening to Farm and Fiddle, the podcast that celebrates and explores rural life for today and tomorrow. Every week since June 1999, we have brought you the best voices in sustainable agriculture on Mid-Missouri's KOPN 89.5 FM. This is Rhett Hartman. I'm Margot McMillan. Thanks for listening. This recording of a speech by Cory Booker was made at the annual meeting of the Iowa Farmers Union in Grinnell, Iowa, on December 6, 2019. Cory Booker, U.S. Senator from New Jersey. So funny, but I wanted to say something about Earth. He was previously the mayor of Newark, New York. New York. New York. From 2000. I'm from North Dakota. New York. New York. Sorry, I know you're not from Newark. Newark. Uh, from 2006 to 13, a lot of family ties here to Iowa, which probably already came through, and frankly has quite a few ties to Farmers Union folks. Cory Booker. Good afternoon, everybody. Okay, thank you so much. All right, I'm going to jump in. They've given me three or five minutes, but it's good to be here with the Farmers Union. I wore a Farmers Union pin on the Senate floor, and the parliamentarian came over to me thinking that the pin stood for something else. Uh, I thought I was just descending into terrible partisanship, but I proudly said it was a Farmers Union pin that had been given to me when I got your highest legislative award, uh, the Golden Triangle Award for the work we've done together. I'm proud to be standing here with you, having worked with you, stood with you, fought for things that will make a difference that I know we're gonna talk about. But what I wanna say real quick is my whole career has been about going to places where there are communities that are looked down upon, or overlooked or cast aside. I moved to the inner city of Newark, New Jersey, and I'll never forget the, the leader of the tenant building uh, across the street from where I moved, in a very tough neighborhood, one of the lowest income areas of our country. Uh, I remember going on her doors as a graduate from Yale Law School, kind of full of myself, and I knocked on her doors, this young man, and she opens the door and is like, what do you want? And I go, ma'am, I want to help you. And she looked at me with these eyes like, boy, you need some help. And, and I'll never forget, she took me down to the street and she said, tell me what you see in my neighbors. Tell me, describe what you see. And I said, okay, I see the crack catalyst. I described a, a lot of the things, the projects, the graffiti. But the more I talked, the more upset she looked at me. And then finally she said, you can't help me. And she started walking away. And I run after her and stop her. And I said, ma'am, I don't understand. What do you mean? And she goes, boy, you need to understand something. The world you see outside of you is a reflection of what you have inside of you. And if you're one of these people who only looks at my neighborhood and sees problems and, 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 and darkness and despair, that's all there's ever going to be. 
But if you're like me, one of those stubborn people, every time you open your eyes, you see possibilities, you see hope, you see beauty, you see love, you see the face of God, then you can help me. And she walked away, leaving me there on the street, thinking to myself, okay, grasshopper, thus ended the lesson. <laughs> every one of our American communities, rural spaces to urban places, everyone has worth and value. And for the last two plus decades of my life, only person in the United States Senate who lives in the community below the poverty line. We always say, don't mistake wealth with work. Well, I want to talk to you about wealth. In the rural areas of our country, in the farmland of our country, there is tremendous wealth. This conversation that people talk about rural America as if it's a problem, that, that to me is offensive. This is a part of our country right now that is the possibility, the hope for everything from solving climate change to creating the kind of global economic wealth that can make sure that America leads in a prosperity economy that works for everybody. That's what we are, I hope to talk about with you today, but more than anything, you all, this organization, Farmers Union, partnering with me, has helped me to be a champion for rural areas, and I'm grateful for that. Thank you. So according to the USDA, we know that farm income has dropped nearly 50% over the past from our recent highs. And then the median farmer income, or the median farmer lost money again last year. And that means that farmers are tightening their belts, meeting with landlords, lenders, and their input suppliers. But the vast majority are losing equity on their farm and they're burning through capital. They're putting off investments and they're delaying bringing the next generation back to the farm. What should, be the, what should we be doing to address this farm income crisis? So we know that the consumer share, the, the consumer dollar, the farmer's share of the consumer dollar has dropped dramatically in the last decade or two. Uh, and for many of our uh, commodities, the things that we're buying in supermarkets in New Jersey that come from the Midwest, the farmer's share of that dollar being spent in my state has gone down 40, 50%. We, we are having independent family farmers being run out of business. The very culture and heritage of our country, the original entrepreneurs in America, they're being run out of business because of the first thing that we've championed together that you all have informed and, and endorsed was my bill, which was a groundbreaking bill uh, uh, to put a, a stop on, on corporate consolidation in the food and agriculture sector. And so my moratorium bill is something we need to make sure becomes law of this nation. Because when I sat with Farmers Union, folks took me, before I was a presidential candidate, took me to the Midwest city tables with Republican and Democratic farmers, the stories were outrageous. The cost of the source products, a few companies buying up every single one, the cost of chemical seeds going way up, squeeze from the bottom, squeeze from the top. Because we're a nation that doesn't seem to even honor the Packers, uh, 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 Packers Stockyards Act. And so now people have one person to sell their goods to. One of the farmers I remember on this trip was almost afraid to talk to me about these issues, afraid that they would get cut off. You can't have capitalism without competition. What we have right now in the farm sector is not capitalism, not free market capitalism. And farmers are being denied the ability to compete because they're getting squeezed from the top and the bottom. So first and foremost, enough is enough. If these trends continue, we are going to become a country that's gone from independent family farmers to multinational corporations that are engaging in the kind of practices 
that are so contrary to the stewards that farmers are, is going to destroy our soil, destroy our environment, because they don't care. When these big groups come in, like Smithfields and others, with their capos and more, they're doing things to destroy our, our ecology and, and our, our system and our way of life with farmers. Number two is we've got to start creating new streams of income for farmers. This is a country, everybody here should be a little angry that we've been using our taxpayer dollars to give money to extractive industries like oil companies. So they pay no taxes. The farmers you just talked about, family farmers that I know, they, they pay taxes. Chevron pays a net zero tax. In fact, they pay negative tax because we give them so much tax dollars to incentivize them to do things that are hurting our economy. We need to pay farmers and incentivize them. That's why my plan calls for $100 billion for farmers to do the kind of practices that farmers know for. Cover crops, no-till farming, things that preserve habitat, preserve the gold in America now, which is not that ore, the gold is our soil that protect our waters. And so if you read my plan on um, coreybooker.com slash rural America, you're gonna see a very detailed plan to make sure that farmers have the resources they need to thrive in our economy, but more than that, that they're gonna be the leaders in America that, that, that show us a way out of the problem of the climate crisis that we have. We've had several questions around trade, and uh, I think one that really sort of covers a lot of it, it has to do with our reputational damage that I think as a country we're suffering with the current president. Uh, what would you do to sort of restore our reputation around the world uh, and to bring some of those markets back? Well, I, I just, we gotta be clear right now that we, when we lose markets, it's not something that you can flip a switch and turn back. This president is driving by global buyers. Remember, 95% of the consumer-based economy, 95% of consumers are outside of our country. And our farmers, I believe, fair playing field, will compete and win globally. But this is what this president has done. I, I'm not saying we shouldn't be taking on China, we should. The way he took on China, though, is as if I, I played football in the Pac-10, now Pac-12, and it'd be like me when we both play Notre Dame and saying to my offense, you gotta stay on the sidelines. I'm gonna go take Notre Dame on alone. Because what he did is he turned his back on all of our allies and he's trying to take China on in a, on in a trade war when we have common cause with the EU, common cause with Canada. But you know what we're doing while we're putting tariffs on, on China? He turned around and put tariffs on, tariffs on our allies as well. We are using a national security waiver to put tariffs on Canada. Now I know some of you in this room might feel for me because I find Trudeau very menacing. He's got that beautiful hair. I'm jealous. <laughs> but but Canada is not a national security threat. So first and foremost, we need to do the opposite of what this president is doing because he's saying his policy is America first. What it really is the policy of America alone, weakening our ability to take on people like China. And while he's doing that, let me just tell you the environmental cost. Because many of you know this already. Those markets that used to buy their soybeans from us, you know where they're buying them from now? Places like Brazil. You know what Brazil's doing to create the land? Tearing down rainforest. And, and so I'm on the Foreign Relations Committee. I'm, I'm meeting with foreign leaders. And, and, and the conversations I have, they look at me, and I'm not exaggerating. This isn't a melodrama. I see fear, worry, anxiety about America's retreat from the world. Because they know we're an indispensable partner. And so I will be the leader 
that repairs our relationships, strengthens our alliances, makes our word, again, our bond as a nation, but focuses on putting farmers at the center, farmers and our environment, which are congruent, at the center of every trade deal I do, every international arrangement, because at the end of the day, what's gonna help our community here in rural America is to have the economic might and the willingness to take on the economic fight to make sure that the people who are producing the world's food are actually winning and not doing what they're doing right now, which is falling behind. So in Iowa, um, we know that between 10 and 15% of food eaten by Iowans is actually produced by Iowans. A lot of food is brought into our state from other places. Local and regional food movements are gaining momentum and uh, has some uh, tremendous consumer support, but, and, and we also know that fresh, healthy food from local farmers is healthy and leads to healthy communities. Uh, how do we encourage these connections between farmers, consumers, and the uh, communities and schools and, and, and children that they serve? So, I mean, this is the hope for this country right now, is, to, is the local food movement that's growing in our country. And there are some USD, the USDA programs, and we outlined these in, in, my, in my plan, there are USDA programs that are funding things that are working, funding pilot projects that are working, but we're lacking the resources and the investment to bring these to scale like we should. And so my plan calls for a massive reinvestment in the USDA programs that are showing evidence-based uh, uh, um, uh, uh, models that really do help to empower that movement. And let me be very clear, as a guy who knows this pain, again, I always tell people, people try to slice and divide our country, geography, race, party. We are a people that have tremendous common cause. And by the way, we, we have common pain too. And my goal is to turn that common pain into common purpose. And so let me tell you right now, I, I was a guy that lived in a food desert and, and knows the challenge that many Americans across this country who leave, live in places without access to healthy food. There are rural areas living adjacent to farmland that, that have Dollar Generals taking over, okay? But not access to fresh fruits and vegetables. You know the irony of living a stone's throw from a farm and not having easy access to fresh fruits and vegetables? That not only hurts our health as a society, but it also hurts our economy. We need to start strengthening those links between the producers of the food and the consumer of the food, and not letting these corporate powers that are undermining the ability for both sides to thrive and succeed together. This has been a mission for me like you would not believe. And let me give you, let me get this off my chest because this is another bill you all helped me with. That, that there are folks that, in the Democratic Party that didn't support this. These checkoff programs that my independent family farmers are paying into, that are then controlled, the boards are being controlled by these multinational corporations that use those dollars to push practices that hurt these local farm movements, these farm table movements, these locally grown movements. This has got to stop. There's no accountability for those resources. This is going to be a battle in our country. You all know this. It affects every element of our society. Who is going to have a say, the people or the larger conglomerations that are undermining free markets, entrepreneurialism, independent family farmers, and more? Because we're losing right now. We see a Supreme Court that's taking away individual power and, and favoring corporate power. 
Remember, we had a, uh, something called Citizens United that literally said corporations are people now. Well, that's ridiculous. You can't marry a corporation. <laughs> this is, these are all things that are shifting in our society to give large conglomerates. Think about what new business starts. We have a rule plan for businesses, entrepreneurs to start and thrive, because I want to see those farm to table restaurants get access to capital and more. Well, you know why? New business starts are going down in this country. And so I just, I just feel this strong drive back to the point of this question. To, to do the things that are gonna really make a difference for our country, and a country right now where we are seeing our health and well-being. There's a, again, to show you common pain, common purpose, is a guy in South Central Los Angeles that says something, he goes, in, in South Central, we got drive-bys and drive-throughs, and the drive-throughs are killing more people than the drive-bys. <laughs> we must have a food movement in this country that takes us back to our heritage where people have access to fresh and healthy foods that are being produced by farmers like the ones represented in this room. Well, let's pick up on that healthy theme. Uh, there's a great debate concerning changing the healthcare system uh, in this country. And I can tell you as someone who's been involved in agriculture all my life that it is top of mind for most farmers in the country because their health care is more expensive than everybody else's. They frequently have uh, pre-existing conditions that make them uh, either ineligible or just unaffordable. And so there's a two-part question. One is, what do we do to transform the health care system and make it more affordable for farmers, but also tie in uh, some of the environmental contamination this questioner wants you to do uh, that is happening as a result of polluted drinking water and things of that nature that also impacts our health. It is, it is a big question. I'm glad you ended with that tying this in because we think of healthcare often just as a healthcare system. We don't understand that our health and our well-being comes from our food, comes from the toxins in our environment, comes from our drinking water, quality of our air, all of these things raise our mortality and our illness rates that we don't talk about. We can even go further. The toxic chemicals, we have chemical companies controlling our laws that they put out the fire retardants that are on our fabrics and they never test them. They're innocent until proven guilty. And so let me just say that a lot of the debate around our healthcare system is just hogwash. And I say that as a guy who's never washed a hog. Um, <laughs> but let's just be clear right now. We have a healthcare system that is fundamentally broken and is benefiting again certain people excluding others. We pay more than any country on the planet for our healthcare, close to one out of every five dollars in our economy is being spent on healthcare, and we have the worst results of any industrialized nation. We, we cannot afford to keep going because as we see rises in cancer rates, rises in, in, in Alzheimer's rates, if we don't change something, we are going to price ourselves out of healthcare and collapse our economy. There's an urgent need to do something about it. Now look, I'm of the camp very simply. I believe we should have a single payer system. It, it would make a lot of things more simple and I'm, I'm gonna fight for that. But I'm also one of these very candid elected leaders because I'm a senator now that if you can't get all the senators on a debate stage to agree on, on things like Medicare for all that I believe in, you're not gonna then go to the Senate and get Democrats who are more conservative 
to agree on it as well. And so this debate that we've been having on the democratic debate stages makes a lot of people at home feel queasy because nobody's really speaking to their pain right now, which is, okay, I hear your philosophical or your ideological or your moral positions on this issue, but I don't hear how you're actually gonna get real things done. Because the last democratic precedent we had, the slogan was, yes, we can. The operative word is we. We're gonna make a difference on this by which president can build the best coalitions to make your lives better. And to make a coalition, that means you need to get all the Democrats together and pick up other people as well. And so as a guy, the only guy in this race that lives in a very vulnerable community where I see the pain on a regular basis of people who can't afford their prescription drugs or folks who, who, who get their, their, their primary care in hospital emergency rooms, we have to show progress. And I will never, ever sacrifice progress on the altar of ideological purity on these issues. I will build the coalitions to do the common sense things to drive down your healthcare costs. Starting with taking on prescription drug companies because it is morally wrong that our tax dollars have been used to develop drugs that then the, 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 the pharmaceutical companies jack up prices and charge us many times more in our country than they're selling it in other countries. Think about this, we help design and develop the drugs and then they give Russians, I'm not exaggerating, they charge them a fraction of the cost for the same drug in our country. Enough. Under my leadership, we are going to take away patents from companies that do that and, and let generics come in, and we're going to stop companies from continuing to raise the prices of drugs higher than inflation. This has to be stopped. We'll use the power of Medicare to drive down costs. We will make this system that is morally corrupt and people profiteering off of our pain end. And we'll do other things that are just common sense that I know we can do in the early days of my administration. Uh, uh, expanding uh, Medicare, lowering eligibility costs, creating a public option. There are the coalitions that we can build to get those things done to move the ball further to the end zone for me, which is ultimately every American as a matter of a right, a moral right having access to healthcare. But the last part of that question, which I just really quickly want to say because I don't think enough people are talking about it. I founded the Environmental Justice Caucus in the United States Senate because not enough people are talking about this. I pushed the, the biggest premier bill on environmental justice because not enough people are doing things about this. Millions of Americans don't have access to clean drinking water, including right here in Iowa. In fact, people talk about Flint, Michigan. I don't know if you all knew this, but there are more than 3,000 jurisdictions, 3,000, where children have more than twice the blood lead levels of Flint, Michigan, because we have a clean water problem. We have a clean air problem. The number one reason why our kids are missing school now, health reason, is asthma. We wouldn't have such high expensive healthcare costs if we attacked these environmental toxins. If I am your president, you can see it as a pillar of my, my climate plan is environmental justice. There's no greater champion of these issues already in the United States Senate. The best way to know what somebody's gonna do in the future is what the heck have they been doing now and in the past, and you will see me going to battle to make sure our air, water is not only clean, but it's an American birthright that you should have access to environments without these toxins we have in the world. Okay. The last question before your closing comments uh, has to do with climate change, and it's sort of nice segue from what we were just talking about. But the questioner would like you to drill down more deeply into 
how you think farmers can benefit economically by the kinds of practices that you think make sense to deal with this existential threat. So we have a saying in, in, in my community, which is it shouldn't be about me without me. In other words, if you're not at the room making policy, if you're not at the table, as one of my friends used to joke with me, if you don't have a seat at the table, then you're gonna be on the menu. <laughs> and, and dear God, we Democrats don't have clean hands on this. Letting people at the table when we're shaping policy, I, Waters of the USA, I could talk about a lot of things that we've done in ways that have not included farmers who have the wisdom and the insights and the values that the rest of America has. There, there are practices going on right now in Iowa that the rest of the country can learn from about soil preservation, about car pulling carbon out of the air, about protecting waters and being stewards of, the, of that. I know this not only because I've read about it, but I've visited with those farmers. And so I'm a guy that, again, I, had, I was a, the chief executive officer of New Jersey's largest city. And, 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 and I learned that I don't have all the answers, and, and that when you are trying to make decisions and craft policy, find out what's working and who's being directly affected by it and honor their wisdom. You don't want to need a bunch of management consultants from, from some big city in the east to be designing your policy that's affecting farmers in the Midwest. And, 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 and so, and so we, we have a very detailed climate plan about major streams of revenue, because I'm sorry, if it doesn't make economic sense, then it's not gonna happen. And we've been wasting money on subsidizing corporations for so long, because they have a seat at the table through their lobbyists. They have a seat, they're, they're crafting policy. Enough of that, it's why in this campaign, I'm not taking corporate PAC money, I'm not taking federal lobbyist money, I'm taking money from, my main stream of income is, Americans, so if you go to my website to read my farm plan, please drop a dollar or two while you're there as well. <laughs> but but let, me say, let me say this. Um, I, I, did a, I did, the Farmers Union took me on a rural farm tour. And, and, and it was amazing. We met with, with Republican farmers because I think the Democratic Party, we make a mistake if we vilify the 60 million Americans that voted for Donald Trump. Come on, we, we need to be the party that understands this moral moment is not about simply beating Republicans. I wanna send Mitch McConnell to the back bench. I wanna beat Donald Trump, yes. But the message of this party shouldn't be simply defeating Republicans. It should be about uniting Americans again. We will not win this election if we talk always about what we're against and don't start talking always about what we are for. And what we're for has gotta be each other. Because the folks overseas are trying to divide us up against ourselves. And so the Farmers Union loved them, took me out on a farm tour, and purposely went to meet, have me sit down with Republicans. And I love one of our tours. We stopped at this man's house. He took me out, showed me his cows and his pigs. And, I, and I'm going to confess to everybody here. I hope this doesn't prejudice you in any way. But I'm a, I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> and, and yet, <laughs> so one person's applauding. <laughs> but, but they took me out. Thank you, sir. They took, he took me out to see his cows, and he was very stiff to me, very stiff, and I, I just felt a little tension, and, I, and so I tried to loosen him up with my, I don't know if you all know this, but I am corny, and corny, one letter separates us. So I used all my corny jokes on this guy, I said, sir, 
these cows of yours are utterly amazing, sir. <laughs> I milked every joke I had for everything that I could get. And I'm sorry, it's painful. You're all about to eat too. And, and by the end, he was smiling and stuff. We sat around the table, and I loved it. We agreed on so many things, the ag moratorium on corporate mergers, the, 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 the doing things like the checkoff. They, these guys were just common sense folk. By the end, he wanted me to take pictures and selfies with his families. I get back in the car, and the incredible man that was giving me driving around said, I need to tell you something. That guy didn't want you in his house original. And when I asked him why, he goes, well, we're a Christian family. We can't have somebody like him in our house. Now, hold on. Don't. Don't disrespect him. We are so in our silos in America. And our silos often tell us to hate each other. And they take often the dumbest thing we've said and use that as evidence to the totality of our being. So he must have watched something about me that, that some of his, the websites that are on the other side of the aisle. But yet we found common cause. There's this great writer, her name is Brene Brown. And she says, you can't hate up close, so pull people in. Me, a, Repu a, a Republican from the Midwest and a Democrat from Newark, New Jersey, sat down at the table and had a conversation and found fierce common cause. If, if we are going to solve these problems like climate change, we will never get there by vilifying entire sectors of our economy, by, by people on either side of the aisle. We've got to find more leaders that have been willing to do the work of reaching out, pulling people in, sitting at a common table, and reestablishing that common cause. Our very existence on this planet depends upon doing that. And I believe at the core of my being, after working with the Farmers Union, that farmers will be the salvation of this country's environmental problems. That concludes our questions for the session. If you'd like to take three minutes to conclude. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to do this quicker than even three minutes and just simply say, I am here because folks that didn't look like me, many who didn't pray like me, were willing to stand up and fight for me. Even by the house I moved into, to grow up in Harrington Park, New Jersey, suburban, wealthy suburb, we were the first black family to move in. And we bought our house because real estate agents were refusing to sell the black family. So a bunch of white folks in that community banded together, and every time my parents were told the house was sold, they would send a white couple behind them to pretend they were home buyers. Literally, the contract we got to sign in to buy my home was all that process was done by a white couple pretending to be us. I am literally sitting here right now because Americans stood up for Americans regardless of race, geography, whatever. We have a core value in this country. It's represented in our faith traditions. It's represented in our history of something simple, that patriotism is love of country. And you cannot love your country unless you love your fellow countrymen and women. And love is not sentimentality. It's not a mushy feeling. Love is sacrifice and service. Love is a very simple statement. Love is knowing that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And we got a lot of injustice in this country. You all drive around your communities, you see it. We're in a country that has this discord now between the things we say and the things we do. We say that we're the home of the brave, but our bravest, when they come home, our veterans, they're disproportionately homeless. We talk about a criminal justice system. Well, where's the justice in having a system that now treats you better if you're rich and guilty than if you're poor and innocent? We are a nation that says we believe in equality 
under the law, but you know what we're doing? We're locking people up just because of their mental illness or their addiction. I just, I just want to say I'm running in this election not just because I know we have strong policy plans. This election is not just about the head. It's about the heart. It's about the gut. It's about the spirit of America. I'm running to bring this country together to show again that the lines that divide us are not nearly as strong as the ties that bind us. I'm going because in my gut I know we are a greater nation when leaders stand up and put more indivisible back into our one nation under God. And if I have my way, those values that got me to this very stage of American, standing up for American, that in this tough time when people are trying to slice and divide us and demean and degrade us, that we now together understand that our salvation lies in each other and we join arms again like we did on beaches in Normandy and the civil rights movement and the suffrage movement, that we join arms again and say to this world, watch us, watch us world, because together we will rise. Thank you.